Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. We don't always open sermons with Scripture, but when we do, let's honor it by, by standing. This is out of Jeremiah 31. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband of them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their hearts I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Lord, bless your word to our hearts today. Help us, Lord, as we just continue to track through our identity in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, when I was in high school, my my brother and I uh, were playing basketball in a park. And this this guy came up and was playing basketball with us, an African-American guy. and, And we're playing ball. And after he gets done playing, he introduces himself as Deacon Jones. Anybody know Deacon Jones? And so we're like, Josh said, no, I don't know who Deacon Jones is. Uh, man, I am getting so, all my references are out of date, I guess. So, so, you know, we were like, oh, wow, Deacon Jones was this all-pro defensive lineman. I believe he played for the Baltimore Colts, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's how dated it is. He played when the Colts were in Baltimore. Um, and, and so, you know, we were like all excited about, oh, we've been playing basketball with Deacon Jones. This is this is really cool. And then we got home and done, did some research and realized this guy was like eight inches shorter uh, than the Deacon Jones that played for the Baltimore Coats. <laughs> and so we realized pretty soon that he was imitation. <laughs> he was fake. We don't like fake things, do we? We don't like imitations. We, 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 we want the real thing. When Coke came out with new Coke, we revolted and said, give us regular, good old-fashioned Coke. We like what's real, what's authentic, (laughs) even in our personal life. And we've talked about this before. We want to be authentic people, right? We want to be real to who we are. We we don't want to feel like we have to put on a mask or put on a facade or or, or be fake. We we want to be real people, and we want to be friends with real people. We we want people to be real with us, not fake. And and particularly when you talk about spiritual things. Um, I, I believe that most people, when they come to a church, when they belong to a church, when they're part of a church, when they're following Jesus, when they're trying to be Christian, we want to be authentic in our spiritual walk, right? We don't want it to be a show. We don't want it to be fake. We don't don't want to have to come in on a Sunday morning and, and, and have a mask on because we've not been authentic in our Christian walk throughout the week. We want a spirituality that is true and real and authentic. And I think all of us have experienced this to a degree where we've tried to live the walk, but the inside doesn't match the outside. And so we're we're doing all these things, but but even though we're doing all the right things, we still kind of feel dirty (laughs) because we feel like we're just playing a game or 
or acting in a play. See, see, we need to be transformed, not from the outside, but we need to be transformed from the inside out. And, and the truth of ordinary people following Jesus, the truth of Christianity is that God does not want to change you from the outside in. God wants to change you from the inside out. Now, the truth of this also is that sometimes he changes our habits on the outside to change us on the inside, but ultimately, this is about change, transformation from the inner being to the outer being that is reflected in the way that we live our lives. A true spirituality, not not just playing a game, not playing pretend. If you've been in the church for years and years, and you've just been playing the game and wearing a mask, I've got good news for you this morning. You don't have to continue along that way. God has given us a way that we can be truly transformed from the inside out. <laughs> you know, Vicki, I'm thinking about your dad. You know, Kurt, Kurt was saved near the end. And Kurt was a changed man because God transformed him from the inside out. He didn't have the benefit of a Sunday school class or church. He, he never left the house, did he? After he was, I, did he ever leave the house one time? He got some visits from pastors that prayed with him. He had a spiritual wife that prayed with him. Uh, you know, he couldn't read the Bible, right? Couldn't see. But yet somehow he was changed because God transformed him from the inside out. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. God can transform us and allow us to live as the people of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. You could could use that phrase in another way as well. You could say God cannot transform us and allow us to live as the people of God without the work of the Holy Spirit. I think we just talked about the Holy Spirit here not too long ago. We're back on the same subject. I think it's kind of important to Christianity. Is, is, is the Holy Spirit important to Christianity, Dr. Purdue? All that we are, all that we want to be, all that this church wants to be, all that you want your family to be is dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. We cannot possibly be the people we want to be without the work of the Holy Spirit. And I understand. If we ever start a 7.30 service, you are the people I'm going to call. Because I realize that by our clock, it's really just 8 o'clock right now. (laughs) But even on a Sunday morning... At 7.30 or 8.30 or 9.30, whatever time it might be. The work of the Holy Spirit is something that should get us up on our feet, feet with our arms raised, praising God because He has done what man cannot do. That we can be something without the work of the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm off my notes. I better get back to my notes or this will be like a two-hour sermon. 
Yeah. Just don't make you late for lunch. <laughs> been tracking identity, and we've been tracking our identity through the, through the, the prism, through the, the lens of baptism. Baptism illustrates, illuminates, informs our identity as the people of God. It's this significant baptism that bears witness to this inner working within us. It's an outward sign of an inward work. You know, we, we have these two sacraments, these things that we declare are sacred, and they're baptism and communion. And, and historically, throughout the life of the church, people, when they become believers, have been baptized. And in a couple of weeks, Easter Sunday, we're offering you an opportunity to be baptized. If you have not been baptized, I, I would urge you to follow the example of Jesus, to follow the command of Jesus, to, to be baptized, to bear witness to that inner work of salvation in your life. And, and so if you're interested, there's a sign-up sheet in the, in the back of the, in, on the foyer table. And, and then also, I've experienced in, in my ministry, oftentimes people have been baptized years ago, and, and either they, they've, they've fallen and, and then reclaimed their identity in Christ, or, or maybe it's just been such a long ago that they want to affirm or confirm a previous baptism. And we're going to offer you that opportunity as well. It's, somebody asked me this morning, am I going to have to, am I have to like give a speech or something? And no, we're going to bring you up and we're going to give you some, uh, just some things to go through and some, some things that you can affirm. And uh, you, you can be as quiet as you want as you're doing that. But uh, if you'd like to do that, there's a sign up for you to do that on Easter as well. And we're asking you what, which service so we can kind of gauge how we're going to do things on Easter Sunday. I'm looking forward to Easter Sunday. But because Easter Sunday, the focus is going to be raised to life. <laughs> we have been raised to life as the people of God. And I'm hoping that we can incorporate some testimonies of, of people that, that God has raised to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the work of Jesus Christ. But we've been tracking our identity th- through baptism and In baptism, we acknowledge the inner work of the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that we have received the Spirit of God. When we are baptized, that is one of the inner works that we are giving testimony to. And as we've looked at the the sacrament of baptism, we've looked at it through three older stories. Uh, we, we've, we've been considering the creation account. And in the creation account, we talked about this last week, God, God creates, in, in, in chapter 1 is, is a poem, a song, that begins the Genesis account, and, and God speaks, and from the water, life comes. <laughs> this beautiful imagery of life being formed from chaos, that, that out of chaos from water, life emerges. And in the same way, in, in baptism, we are emerging to life from the chaos of life. And then chapter 2 becomes more detailed. And in and, and, and chapter 2, the, the, in Genesis 2, 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Do you, do you see the switch here? God's speaking, God's speaking, God's speaking, God's speaking, God's speaking, and creation is happening. Then it comes to humanity, and we no longer have an image of a heavenly father speaking 
creation into being. But we have an image of a heavenly father reaching down and forming man. A very personal touch. I want you to know that you were personally, intimately created by your heavenly father. He knows you from the inside out. He didn't speak you into existence. He formed you from the dust of the ground. And then he breathes the very breath of life into man's nostrils. You have breath this morning because of your heavenly father. It just completely switches from, not not, not that God does not lovingly create the rest of creation, but humankind, humanity is created in a completely different way. It uses this phrase, God gives life through the breath of life. And this breath of life is a significant phrase because the breath of life is associated with the Hebrew word associated with the Spirit of God, Ruah. So, so, so what, when you see this, you, you see this significant breath. You see the, the Spirit of God involved in creation. And as you consider the creation account, I believe it's saying Real life is found through the Holy Spirit. That for us to be the people that God is, for, 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 we to be, for us to be animated, to be alive as God wants us to be alive, as God intends us to be alive, it takes the breath of God, it takes the Holy Spirit. You may be breathing this morning, but if the Holy Spirit is not indwelling you and changing you and moving you and living within you as God intended, then you're not really living. (laughs) Real life is found through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we've been looking at the Exodus account and We've seen that there, there was slavery, there were slaves in Egypt. We, we talked about the Passover, and then we talked about this party of the Red Sea. And, and um, we've had some debate whether the chariot wheels turn square or just fall off. And, and Dave can go into that with you. Somehow they all, they all drowned. <laughs> Uh, the, the Egyptian army following the, the Israelites into the Red Sea. And then we have this account of manna. God's feeding them every day, and he does this for 40 years. But, but before the 40 years has passed, and after just a few weeks of the Passover, as a matter of fact, uh, by the Jewish calendar, 50 days, which will become significant later, they find themselves at Mount Sinai. And God gives them what at Mount Sinai? The law, the Ten Commandments. God gives the people of Israel the law. So so at Mount Sinai, God gives Israel the law to allow them to understand what it means to be the people of God. In other words, they've come out as slaves, and 50 days later, God brings them to the mountain, and and Moses goes up, and and God gives them the law so that they can have an understanding that they're not Egyptian slaves, that they're the people of God, and they're to live as the people of God. But the law is not sufficient. Over and over and over again, the people of Israel fail to keep the law. 
You know, even from the very beginning, Moses is up on the mountain, and, and what's the first thing they do? They sin even before they get the law. And so they're not able to keep the, the law because the law is not able to adequately transform. We need the deeper work of the Holy Spirit. Religion cannot transform you. Rules cannot transform you. Relationship with the Holy Spirit can transform you. So we have this great verse that I read, this great passage from Jeremiah that we read at the beginning of the service. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. (laughs) What an awesome promise. That God's not satisfied with us simply going through the motions, just floundering along, trying to keep something that we can't keep. Anybody ever go on a diet and not able to keep the diet, right? (laughs) Ever start an exercise regime and not able to keep it? You know how frustrating it is to want to be something and want to do something and not have the power to do it? God sees that with us. And he says religion's not enough. Rules are not enough. You need to be transformed from the inside out. We need to be transformed from the inside out. Let's flash forward a little further to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it's on the day of Pentecost. Somebody tell me what Pentecost means? What's penta mean? 50? 50 days after Passover, the Jews had a feast to celebrate the giving of the law. Are we tracking here? Do you see what God's doing? God says, you need a Passover lamb to have life, to overcome death, to, to be free You need the sacrifice of a lamb. And on Passover, Jesus did that. And then God says, but it's not sufficient just to to be saved, but you need a new way of living, a new way of thinking. And and where the law fell, the Holy Spirit doesn't fell. And 50 days after Passover, on Pentecost, on Acts chapter 2, we have this great Pentecost event where the Holy Spirit comes to the people of God. This event associated with Mount Sinai, for for the Christian, we we associate with the giving of the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is given so that we can live as the people of God. Not, not based on just religion. You know, I I love the church. I love, uh, you know, what we do as a church. But But it's not sufficient in and of itself. Rules are not sufficient. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to change us. What the law could not do, God now does through the work of the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. Pentecost completes what God had started at Sinai. 
Yeah, we settle for less, don't we? Can, can we all be honest? I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to raise my hand. There's been times in my life that I have settled for less than God's Spirit moving within me. What we settle for, for hearing about God, you know, we, we, we somehow feel like, well, I came to a sermon and, and maybe even I read my Bible and, and we settle for just knowing about God instead of knowing God. God doesn't want you to know about Him. He wants you to know Him. He wants to know you. And I may be the only person that that is just completely amazed by the concept of prayer because I hear nobody else really talk about it. But i got to tell you, prayer amazes me. The God of the universe invites me to tell Him His problems, my problems, right? Have you ever stopped and thought about that? God knows every hair on your head. He knows every trouble that you have. He knows every problem, every emotion, everything you're going through. God already knows it. But He says, tell me about it. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me where you're struggling. Tell me what's hurting God already knows, and yet he invites us to ask, to seek, to tell. But, but, but not just to, to dump our problems on him, but God invites us to listen. <laughs> because he wants to speak into your life. This, this amazing opportunity that we call prayer. And then I stop and think about how often I get up and I'm too busy. And I don't take time even to talk with God. Anybody else like that? See, God's inviting us not to, to, just to know about Him, but He's inviting us to this intimate relationship where He knows us and we know Him. There's not a friend. <laughs> What's the song say? There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. God wants to be your friend. When no one else is there, God wants to be there. When no one else cares, God cares. God wants to be your father that loves you through your failures. Boy. But we settle for less. We settle sometimes for religious practices. And there's nothing wrong with religious practices and religious habits because I believe used in the right way through the power of the Holy Spirit, our habits and our practices help shape us from the inside out. But but when we rely only on the practices and we forget the work of the Holy Spirit and we somehow begin to think my tithe is getting me into heaven, my church attendance is getting me into heaven, that that, that the fact that, that, that I stood at upward and greeted people will get me into heaven, we're missing the point. All of these things are tools and activities where we can hear the Spirit and allow the Spirit to move within us. Legalistic living instead of transformed living. God's calling us. He's inviting us.
Camor. We're not just Mount Sinai people. We're Pentecost people. We're people that believe and understand and live in the reality of the Holy Spirit present within us, that, 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 that this isn't about a preacher that's giving you a message. Even as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. I'm always amazed. I'll preach a sermon and somebody will come up after and say, I'm so glad you talked about that. And, and I didn't say anything about that. <laughs> sometimes it's because they're not listening. <laughs> but sometimes it's because the Holy Spirit's doing another work within them. That, that even the Holy Spirit takes this faltering pastor and the words that I try to present and, and, and if we're attentive the Holy Spirit can take what I'm saying and use, use it despite myself <laughs> kind of changes our perspective a little bit and, and it may, maybe there's not bad pastors, maybe there's just bad listeners <laughs> maybe we just need to listen better to the Holy Spirit particularly when somebody maybe isn't as good as somebody else. I've seen this, people whose spirituality is determined by their emotions. And I'm seeing this more and more. That, that they're up and then they're down. Then they're up and then they're down. And their entire spirituality is based on how they feel at that moment. It's a dangerous sign in your spiritual walk, if that's the case. And I believe it may be evidence, it may be a symptom of a lack of dependence, a lack of understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm like anybody else. I have up moments and I have down moments. But i got to tell you, throughout it all, I am aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And when I need encouragement spoken in my life, the Holy Spirit speaks. Well, when I feel like I need to, when, when maybe I need to slow down, sometimes the Holy Spirit says, slow down. See, see, the Holy Spirit works in our life in a way that allows us to avoid some of those emotional highs and lows. And maybe you're struggling with that. I, I mean, I, I, I see it more and more. I don't know, Brother Purdue, is, is that a change in the church that, that, that the emotionals, it, it, it seems like we're, ha! And, and I got to tell you, I don't think God intends us to live in that way. I, I think He intends those who know Him to live with this deep assurance no matter what's going on, that they belong to him and that there is a plan and there is a will and there is a way. Amen. phrase that I've always heard and, and, and I like it. it. It helps me understand it. I'm, I'm just going to tell you as your pastor, sometimes, a lot of the times, God's ways are above me. And how and what he does, sometimes I don't know. I know what I do and what I can do. And I believe this, that, that if you're a believer today, if, if you are saved today, the Holy Spirit 
is fully available to you. That that God is not withholding himself from you. If you are a believer today, the Holy Spirit is fully available to you. The power of God most high is available to you. But the problem that many of us face is not being fully available to the Spirit. Let me ask you, are you fully available to the Spirit this morning? God can fill and God can use sanctified people, people who are set apart from him or for him. People who are willing to say, not my will, but your way. Not my will, but your will. It's early for me, too, by the way, up here speaking. I think next year we'll make Daylight Savings Time a Red Bull Sunday, and everybody will get a complimentary Red Bull as we come in. Are you fully available to the Spirit? I mean, are, are, are there things that you're holding back? Maybe you've been dancing around this, this spirituality, this this thing that we call Christianity, what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe you've been dancing around it and trying bits and pieces and, and, and you're just not satisfied. You just don't feel like it's making a difference. And, and maybe the problem is there's just things you're holding on to. You know, in, in my life, there, there came a day and it was with my family, and I think it was with my future. Maybe as my boys represented my future. There came a time where I had to say, I can't do this, God. And God said, but I can. <laughs> and there was a change in my life because I let go. I'm going to ask Amy to come and, and, and play. And um, let's bring the back lights down just a little bit, Chris. And we're going to open the altars, meaning when I say we're opening the altars, that means this is just a place to come and pray. There's no judgment here. Nobody's going to look at you any, any worse and think, oh, that's a bad person. Matter of fact, they're probably going to look at you and say, man, that's somebody that is really seeking God. No judgment here. Here's what I'm aware of. This is the time that we can take the sermon, what I've been talking about, and put it to work. I've been talking about how God wants to transform us from the inside out. And and what I've been doing is I've been outside in. I've been speaking at you, to you. And I know while I've been speaking that the Holy Spirit's been working. But this is just an opportunity to, to pay close attention to what the Spirit would say to you. So we're gonna, I'm not going to do a great hard call or pull but I want you to know our, our altars are available and we can pray on our pews as well, pray in our seats. And I'm going to wait three or four minutes. If you'd like to come, come. like to bring somebody with you, bring somebody with you. And then I'm going to close this in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your presence here. Lord, may we never take for granted the gift of your Holy Spirit. This this gracious offer of salvation, this gracious offer of holiness, of being sanctified and set free by the power of the cross, by the work 
of the empty tomb through the power of the Holy Spirit. Or as I stand up here and pray, I'm aware that your heart is not that we, that we fell, but that we succeed. That your desire is that all people come to salvation, that all people give themselves to you, not, not so that you can somehow possess us as, as slaves, Lord, but so that you can set us free to be the people you intended us to be. Lord, I confess that there's been times in my life that I've lived below your standard. That that I've settled for less. And Lord, I'm I'm aware also that in my wanderings and my failings, you never stopped loving me. Lord, in this congregation today, there's people struggling with what to do with you. And Lord, they're doubting your love, your interest, your care. Lord, I believe the Spirit's wanting me to say right now, they're dearly loved. God loves you this morning. And His desire for you is that you walk with him. Help us, Lord, not to be content with going through the motions with half-hearted service of you. But Lord, may we wholly embrace you, running into your embrace, loving you and allowing you to love us back. Lord, I thank you for this Sunday morning, for for you speaking to us and and being with us. And I pray, Lord, that as we go from this place, uh, that, Lord, we'll understand that we're not leaving your presence. You go with us. You indwell us. And, Lord, you continue to work within us. Help us, Lord, to bring glory to you by the way we live our lives, to, to love you and to love others in such a way that people give you Uh, praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.